it's all part of the Mike Ashley legend. Joe Kinnear getting appointed for a second time is just, is probably up there among the most baffling. Today we'll print the absolute truth. You think we're we can I think that was about as good as it got. The away game where he necked a pint in about five seconds. You're born a magpie, you're born to support Newcastle United. It's something that's kind of given me sleepless nights. Until he goes, the club can't get any better and it never will get any better. That's me done. That is me done. Mike Ashley has owned Newcastle United for 13 years. The club has technically been available to buy for another willing investor for almost all of that time. In episode one, we explored the makings of Mike Ashley's reign, the managers, the moments that confused, and whether there are any positives to take from his 13 years of ownership. In this episode, we look into the Amanda Staveley takeover bid and why it all went so wrong. I'm Adam Leventhal, and this is Beyond the Headline. I think you enjoyed it for a bit. News and investigations reporter for The Athletic, Matt Slater. You know, man of the people, wearing the shirt, going in the crowd. You know, you know he likes to drink. He's supposed to be a sort of man's man. I don't think he realised how hard it was. And this is, this is not unique to him. This is a, a, a well-worn path. A uh, successful businessman gets into football. Oh, no, it's harder than I thought. People shout and moan at me. Uh, They always want more. Christ, it's really hard to make money. What? Another bill? I think these things all happened. And um, yeah, he, 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 he never really got over the whole Cockney thing, did he, up there? So his honeymoon was always going to be brief. And I think, yeah, he, he, he fell out of love with it pretty quick. Various bidders came and went, but in 2017, Amanda Staveley arrived on the scene. Staveley's initial attempt failed, but she returned in 2019 with the backing of the Saudi royal family. There was, understandably, some excitement among a fan base who had endured over a decade under Ashley that a serious alternative was emerging, as Alex Hurst, chair of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, explains. It was brilliant because... One, we were in the middle of this pandemic, or, well, maybe not the middle, but at the start of it. So there was no football on the, the future. You know, football wasn't, you know, the return of football wasn't being talked about. And all of a sudden, you know, amongst all the, the misery and the negativity, there was this ray of light that finally the club was going to be sold and moved on. And I think for a lot of fans, it wasn't necessarily that it was her, though she does speak very well and has spoken very well, about the club and its support, which is the opposite of the current owner. I think it was just the fact that Mike Ashley was leaving. To, to, to everyone I know, you don't even kind of need to know about the guy who's coming in because it he almost can't, or he or she can't do any worse than, than Ashley. So it was a real kind of great moment. From a personal perspective, I just had to take calls from the world's media about human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia, which wasn't so fun. But, um, and also now a waste of time. But, But yeah, everyone was was tremendously excited about it. Indeed, it's not the first time Amanda Staveley has been involved in buying a club. The British financier, whose firm PCP, was involved in the purchase of Manchester City by the Abu Dhabi royal family. And she was also involved in an ultimately unsuccessful bid to take over Liverpool. 
So why is she now so fixated on Newcastle United? She's looked at other clubs. I think they looked at. Uh, I think they've looked at Leeds, amongst others. Senior writer for the Athletic, George Colkin. There was this feeling that Newcastle was the sort of one, unta- you know, one club of untapped potential, or the you know the the big club of untapped potential in the sense that pretty much everything is there. I mean, the stadium is there. It needs some TLC, but it's you know the fan base is there. It's a willing fan base, or at least it would be, you know, with the right ownership. You know, they own the stadium, they own land and things like that. So I think that was a sort of, that was the hard-headed side of it. Anyone viable would have attracted support from the Newcastle United fans, but this takeover came with a plan. People have got excited about any takeover. It's got to the point where there have been so many failed attempts that it it has become you know, a kind of cry-wolf sort of thing. The reason why the last one took off in such a sort of spectacular way was two things. Firstly, Ashley agreed to sell, and it was done. And, you know, it was done and dusted. It's been there, it's ready to go. All that was waiting was was sign-off from the Premier League. So it was done, it was agreed, um, it was real. I think there's a misconception that Newcastle fans expect Mike Ashley to put in hundreds of millions of pounds a year, but that, that isn't the case. But they also don't think that he maximises the resources he has a, at his disposal. Newcastle United correspondent for The Athletic, Chris Woff. But the prospective new owners are offering a different vision of that. It's a week we will look at what we can do with the training ground. There may be that we would rebuild on this place that we are but we look at a different site and, and basically try and rebuild there Mike Ashley's promised since 2013 actually it was Joe Kinnear who came in with these plans it's going to be a new training ground it hasn't happened and in terms of what Amanda Staveley had done behind the scenes and was promising behind the scenes it was rebuilding the club and it was rebuilding the club from top to bottom it was rebuilding relationships relationships with supporters relationships with former players relationships with people who've been uh, who've been either ignored or jettisoned by the club and rebuilding the relationship with the city itself and that is what people have been crying out for it's been so difficult to walk into St James's Park thinking that you're part of something, part of something good, part of something bigger than yourself under Mike Ashley. You've gone there under sufferance. You've gone there thinking, suspecting that that will be the worst part of your weekend and often with very good reason. From a purely financial point of view, this was a very good bid. You know, if, we, if we're going to park everything else, forget all that. We're just talking about the finances of someone arriving at your door and saying, I'd like to buy your club. It, it, it's hard to it's hard to beat this. But of course, the provenance of the money backing the bid is, to say the least, controversial. Saudi Arabia unfortunately bring baggage, don't they? Of course. So it's not Norway's sovereign wealth fund. It's it's Saudi Arabia. So you, you're immediately getting into all the human rights issues, Yemen. The murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist, the, the democracy issues, um, you know, gay rights, its relationship in the Gulf with Gulf neighbours. In April 2020, Amnesty International wrote a letter to the Premier League urging them to fully consider the human rights situation in Saudi Arabia and warning against becoming a patsy for those trying to sportswash their abysmal human rights record. Am I, was I sort of overjoyed about the idea of... Saudi Arabia being involved in the club that I've grown up watching and watched all my life? No, absolutely not. Does it make hypocrites of us? Yeah, I think football does that. 
I think what I always thought was, if by the rules of the test, Saudi pass, then this 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 is what football this is what football is now. And if at the same time there were promises of investment not only in the football club and a chance to make the club better, but also chance to reinvest in the city and you know particularly at a time when we're starved of that and you know the local council have talked about that and talked about what sort of what was what had been put to them it's a very difficult one and it's something that's kind of given me sleepless nights The deal was in place. Ashley was willing to sell, the Saudis were willing to buy, but in July the takeover fell through. Why? Chris Woff. Well, that is a complicated question and a difficult one to answer in short terms. I mean, there basically are, are two main points, one of which is piracy and uh, the BIQ piracy in, in Saudi Arabia over the last few years, which has, has been at least in part allowed to happen in, in Saudi Arabia, or some, some would argue that, that or that it has been alleged that, that the Saudi government have been involved in almost promoting that in Saudi Arabia the Premier League's broadcast partner in the Middle East is being sports. They're not able to operate in Saudi Arabia. And instead, there has been a shadow broadcaster pirating their material. Matt Slater. Saudi Arabia's problem was what's been going on for the last three years. Three years ago, they massively fell out with Qatar, as did other Gulf re- uh, countries. So anyway, three years ago, massive diplomatic economic split. And one element of that was Saudi Arabia going after uh, Qatari business interest. Not only did they go after their currency, you know, uh, deprive them of access to the ports and um, airspace, they started pirating one of the most successful Qatari businesses, BN Sports. Now, BN Sports are a huge investor in premium sports rights all around the world. NFL, used to do F1, Bundesliga, Serie A, etc., etc. They spend a fortune and they have these rights for the Middle East and North Africa region, which goes all the way from Morocco to Oman, 20 plus countries. Saudi Arabia are one of the biggest, biggest markets in that, in that territory, very important to them. So three years ago, a, a pirate operation pops up called Be Out Q. So Be In Sports is the name of the legitimate company. Be Out Q is the name of the pirate operation run out of Riyadh pops up and very, very aggressively, in a very sophisticated way, steals Bean's feed, steals, therefore, the Premier League's intellectual property. Now, fast forward to this year, you have a different arm of the Saudi government. You have their sovereign wealth fund, which I've already mentioned is stocked full of government ministers, is run by the Crown Prince himself, trying to buy a Premier League football club. Hello, Owners and directors test, what's in the appendix? Have you been involved in piracy? Oh dear. Have you always uh, behaved and acted and responded to the Premier League in the utmost good faith? Hmm, that's going to be a problem. Uh, Have you done anything in your jurisdiction that might well be a criminal offence in our jurisdiction? Already huge red flags about, as I say, for the Premier League's point of view, an arm of the Saudi government trying to buy one of their clubs. Both Amanda Staveley herself and Richard Masters, the Premier League chief executive, both agree on on the point that, that the reason why, in the end, that this test, the Premier League test got stuck at 16 weeks was because the Premier League believed that the Saudi state should uh, be actually on the board of Newcastle United. They believed that the ultimate owners of, of, uh, of the prospective buyers of Newcastle United 
which was going to be the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, they believed that the prospective owners ultimately were the Saudi government and therefore they should sit, or at least representatives of them should sit the owners and directors test. The, the prospective buyers disagreed and so it never got past that point of the owners and directors test. The Premier League offered independent arbitration on that solitary point and the prospective buyers didn't want to take that up and instead withdrew their bid. So ultimately, piracy becomes involved with that because if the, if the Saudi government had been made to sit the owners and directors test, then the likelihood is that piracy would have then come up as because it is in the appendices of the Premier League uh, rules and regulations and therefore they probably would have failed the test. So it's a very complicated situation, but... To summarise, yes, the Premier League wanted the Saudi government to be on the board of... I believed, sorry, that the, 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 the Saudi government should be on the board of Newcastle because they would be the ultimate owners. The prospective buyers disagreed and they have never been able to get beyond that point to get it further on in the, in the owners and directors test for it actually have been approved or rejected. So why did the moral issues surrounding the Saudi Arabian government never feature strongly in the reasons against the takeover? Matt Slater explains how the Premier League thinks. We have an objective test. We don't want to get into subjective judgments about how countries behave. We don't want to make, uh, we don't, it's not our business to pass judgment on how a country operates. We are a business. So we are interested in whether you are a credible, reputable business person. Um, And that's why we have this objective test where we have disqualifying criteria like can you bring your money here? Have you been done for fraud? Uh, Have you been accused of money laundering? Have you done anything wrong, let's say, involved in gambling? You know, these are the things that we care about. So the Premier League stance would be, well, look, we're not going to make calls on the human rights. That's kind of a government to government issue. So that's where they're coming at it from. And the reason that the broadcast issue is so big is because that's what brings in the money. It brings in 70% of the Premier League's turnover. And it's always going to be important. I would argue it's never been more important right now. Right now. When we've been playing behind closed doors, where we've got another 12 to 18 months of uncertainty because of coronavirus, the, the guaranteed income the Premier League clubs get from their broadcast partners has never been more significant, has never been more precious. And when you have a rights holder who's had a problem in their turf for the last three years with someone stealing their content, well, that's a big problem. That's a big problem for every single Premier League club. And that's why this has been a big problem for this takeover. It sounds like the the Premier League wanted certain things clarifying in the owners and directors test and they weren't prepared to do it which is a a strange one host of pod on the time podcast taylor payne it's a shame because for all intents and purposes this sounded like it was perfect you know and we had months of there's no red flags there's there's not going to be any problems the the buyer's side are bullish i believe was the uh the term that i heard lots of times and it felt like it felt like it didn't matter what what happened because it was going to be fine and they were going to come in and i think what you have to remember as well with this one is we've never got to this point before we've had takeover bids many times in the past you know barry mort and bin zayed group and all those guys there's been takeover bids but never has it actually gotten to the owners and directors test before and that is that is uncharted territory for us. So when it got to that point, I think everyone just thought, right, we can we can stop worrying now because we're here. You know, we've made it. 
and then when it didn't go through the obviously the disappointment was was massive it was it was really really sad when it when it didn't go through i, I think we'd been so ready for so long but because it had dragged on so much for how long it had it i think and because everyone was off work at the time as well with the lockdown i think people got tired of it and i think a lot of newcastle fans just kind of switched off and were just waiting for the answer and because we never got an answer it it, it just felt like it fizzled away Despite the moral concerns over the potential takeover, it remained extremely popular. Well, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust ran a poll quite early on in the in the takeover process among their at the time around ten thousand support uh, supporters, and they returned. It was nearly ninety seven percent of fans said they wanted the takeover to go ahead. Now, I don't think that's necessarily representative of of, of all fans and maybe reservations that they had, because certainly as a, as a journalist who covers the club. I, in many ways, was 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 in favour certainly of Mike Ashley going and a prospective takeover coming in. But I also had serious personal uh, conflict really over this. I, I debated into basically my own mind whether I, I wanted this to happen for all the moral reasons that have been raised, and do I want Saudi Arabia to 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 eighty percent own a, a football club? So I think a lot of fans tied with that. A lot of fans who I've spoken to did. I know of a significant number who were also adamantly against it they didn't want it regardless of, of, of the fact that they wanted rid of Mike Ashley I would say that is very much a vocal minority the majority of supporters uh, welcomed the, the prospect of, of this takeover I think there was a fair proportion of those who probably didn't take or educate themselves as, as maybe I would I would like to think most fans would would on all these other issues they were just if it's not Mike Ashley then I'm happy for anyone to arrive but there were also a lot of Newcastle fans who uh, did did speak about this and did try and, and find out more and there was a, the, the the NUST also held a couple of things along with uh, the MP Chion Rura who represents Newcastle Central they held what were called uh, Toon Town wall, uh, town hall, sorry, which were essentially uh, online Zoom forums where fans debated and listened to, to to sort of human rights activists and people from Amnesty International and and the like to try and educate themselves on this point. George Culkin, there is this yearning for something else, and this yearning for for better. Now, can bad people, if you want to use, if you want to boil it down, be good owners of a football club? Well, that's a you know that's a that's a very interesting question because the things that the things that Staveley's consortium were talking about would have been transformative for the football team, the football club, and indeed for the city. And as I said at the very start, unfortunately, football makes hypocrites of all of us. Former board member of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, Linda Bush. It's the reality of being a Newcastle supporter at the moment. It's the it's the devastation that many fans have felt at the fact that the club's not been able to be sold recently, despite the fact that we've got, you know, a, a willing a willing seller, apparently, a willing buyer or a number of willing buyers and that the, the fans are fully supportive of potential buyers, despite some of the issues that come with that. It was equal parts kind of wanting to be rid of Mike Ashley and wanting to see the back of that and, you know, and, and move on from that period. And then the excitement of of the idea that something good could actually happen for the club, that there would be potential, that there would be ambition. 
it's not about spending squillions of pounds on on massive name players and stuff like that. It's about improving the team and improving the club. And when you improve the club, you improve the city. And when the city gets better, the community in general feels better. And 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 it all has a knock-on effect. And it's not about signing Kylian Mbappe and stuff like that to to the average Newcastle fan in the street. It isn't. It's about connecting it's about the connection with the fans and with the club and when you don't feel connected to the club it's it's really horrible and we just wanted that back i wanted it kind of felt like that when rafa was here for a little while you know you felt connected to him and we weren't spending oodles of money and we weren't in the champions league and we weren't you know we weren't pulling up any trees but we felt connected to the club In September 2020, there was hope that the takeover could be revived, as George Culkin explains. And we saw this huge outpouring of, you know, of, of kind of activity and and the support Newcastle supporters trust bombarded MPs, 80 MPs were contacted, including the Prime Minister, who all released statements asking for kind of greater clarity from uh, the Premier League. A petition of 110,000 Newcastle fans was signed, calling for kind of the same sort of thing. The Trust got some really good answers out of the Premier League and they achieved far more than any journalist did in being able to sort of ask ask questions about the process. There was a Tory peer who was shuttling backwards and forwards between the Premier League and, and Whitehall and the consortium and the club, trying to kind of get things sorted in terms of piracy and TV rights and all that kind of stuff. And there was actually, you know, there was a big spike in dialogue between the club and the the buyers. And there was a feeling that we were building towards something again. We are now very much not building to something again. Newcastle United released a statement claiming that the Premier League had rejected the takeover. The Premier League responded by saying it had not rejected the takeover, but that their criteria had not yet been satisfied. I think what they'd done is they'd, they'd got further reassurances from the Saudi state that there would be separation between, between the state and the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, and then they had the legal representation, the legal argument to back that up. Now, the Premier League said in very, very strong terms that their own legal experts' opinion was, was unchanged. So Newcastle referred to it as, as rejection or that the bid had been rejected in their statement. Now, that, officially, that's not, that's not correct. And the, the Premier League did point that out. The bid has not been rejected. It's still at the same point that it, that it was before. However, it means the same thing as a rejection in the sense that it can't be passed as things stand. It won't be passed as things stand. So, could the bid be revived? It's difficult at this point to see a direction forward. I don't want to try and provide false hope to to Newcastle United fans when I admit myself that I don't see the pathway at the minute to this takeover happening. There are those in and around the deal who still maintain that that, the dialogue is ongoing, that there is a chance that this can be, uh, a compromise can be reached and that eventually the club will be sold and Mike Ashley himself certainly is a committed seller, that's something which we haven't necessarily always believed or certainly fans haven't always believed over the last few years but he certainly would like this deal to happen. So as long as he's pushing it, 
there is always that chance that it could happen but I, I don't want to pretend that, that, that I think that, that, that a positive resolution at this stage is likely I don't yet see how we get to that stage and, and something will have to change dramatically The club underperforms in, in almost every area coming off the pitch and it wouldn't take much to put that right so anyone who buys the club is immediately I think going to have 30 to 40,000 people in the local area re-engage with it overnight just because they're not Mike Ashley um, if you look at the club now, it's run as a skeleton staff compared to the Premier League clubs of the same size. It has a fraction of the resources in, in, in almost every area. They, they aren't things that need fixed by public investment funds of sovereign countries. You know, any, anyone who's capable of running a Premier League football club could fix those things and, and make those kind of small changes. We still don't really know why he bought Newcastle, what he was trying to get out of it. I think there was a quote at the time saying, you know, he wanted to have a bit of fun, but I mean, the fun stopped a very long time ago. Next time on Beyond the Headline, we look ahead and ask the question, what now for Newcastle United? There's more life than this, isn't there? Surely there's more life than Steve Bruce. There's got to be. Is there anyone else willing to buy the club? So there are groups in and around who would look at Newcastle United. There has been interest from other parties as well. What hope do they have if Mike Ashley continues to own Newcastle United? It's just, it's flattened people in this in this city and I don't know if we'll ever regain it. I think it, it, could, be a, um, it could be a legacy lost. This is part two of a three-part series of Beyond the Headline on Newcastle United. Parts one and three are available to download now. Subscribe now and make sure you don't miss out on future editions of the podcast. Beyond the Headline was produced by Abby Patterson for The Athletic. The reporting was by Nick Miller and Ian McIntosh. Executive producer was Ian McIntosh. For more information about the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, visit nufctrust.co.uk. Hi, this is Taylor Payne, host and one-third of Pod on the Tyne, the Athletics' dedicated Newcastle podcast, and your go-to show for NUFC news, interviews and opinion. For God's sake, he was a man who hid a Spider-Man mask down his pants <laughs> and pulled it out when he scored a goal, and he kept it there for about three frigging years. I, I mean, can you imagine the state of that mask? It would have been mean, and, wouldn't it? Oh, it's just disgusting. Remember, you can listen to Pod on the Time for free wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, also ad-free on the app when you subscribe to The Athletic. <laughs>